You're listening to Open Up the Wall, Revelations of a Renovation Contractor. Now, this is what they call a, quote, inspirational memoir. It's about my career change from award-winning actor to the owner of my own construction company. It's definitely a memoir, and throughout the 14 episodes of this podcast, you're going to meet some wonderful characters on both sides of the tool belt. This podcast is an edited version of the 27-chapter book of the same title, and it's available in e-form or hard copy. You can find out more about the book and about me, the author, Jeff Bowes, on my website, www.openupthewall.com. Feel free to leave any questions or comments you may have. I'd love to hear from you. I better start by explaining the title, Open Up the Wall. You see, there's a question that renovation contractors are frequently asked. Can't you just cover it over? And my answer to my clients has to be no. Cover over, gloss over, overlook, they all mean denial. My job is to make clients understand that in order to do a safe and solid renovation, I must be able to see what is working, what isn't, and what has to change. And the only way to do that is to tear out a wall or cut open a ceiling, and cover everything they own in a fine layer of dust. Well, the next question is, of course, how much will it cost me? Well, it'll cost you money, anxiety, disruption of routine, more money, sleepless nights, and fear of unanticipated disaster. For however long it takes, your life will be controlled by guys in tool belts. This means that at any point in the renovation process, walls can fly up to protect hurt feelings, or to shield resentment, or simply hide confusion. These are the ones that have to get opened up first, so that the process of improving your home becomes a painless, cooperative, and, as is usually the case, an exciting experience for everybody involved, because that's the fun of it. Now, this podcast is about the walls that I opened up, as well as the walls that opened up for me when I changed careers and attitude, bought a tool belt, and entered the risky and rewarding world of the construction business. But it isn't about business. It's about the crazy, extreme personalities that taught me the business and the crazy, extreme homeowners that we do business with. This book is about what you don't see on TV reno shows, class discrimination, personal triumph, physical pain, and loyalty. While there are humorous accounts of bloody injury, naked confrontation, and one memorable sexual assault by a big dog, my purpose in recording this podcast is to celebrate all the talented people who come into our homes and make a mess while they forever change the way we live. So here it is. Open Up the Wall, Episode 1, coming out. I remember the day that started the change in my life. The most inconsequential details of that day have stayed clear in my memory, like the note in the breast pocket of my denim shirt reminding me to pick up green onions and the bit of celery between my teeth. It was the day that I walked into a hardware store to buy my first power tool. Now, this was in 81, 
back when Wayne Gretzky had a mullet, long before renovation was a household word and years before the Home Depot had even been conceived. It was back when items like power saws and drills were kept behind the counter at the hardware store, along with guns and ammo. I waited until the counter was clear of customers, and then I approached the kindly pensioner on the other side, and I said, I'd like to buy an electric saw. Okay, you want a skill saw, jigsaw, table saw? Well, um, I have to cut the ends off some boards, so I was thinking about that handheld kind with the round blade. Circular saw. It's mostly called a skill saw. Yeah, that's what I'm after, a skill saw. And then I said, The thing is, I'm not good with my hands, so if there's one that's safer than the others, I should probably get that one. Oh, well, there's no such thing as a safe power saw, warned the man. Every one of them is dangerous as hell, so if you're no good with your hands, well, maybe you should hire someone else to do the cutting for you. My face flushed. You're not good with your hands, proclaimed by a stranger, made me very angry very quickly. It wasn't a bruised ego type of angry. It was a a, a hurt angry, a reaction to some old pain, some shame. I'm not a complete idiot, I snapped. The clerk put his hand across his chest in a protective way. What did I say, he asked. A vein pulsed on his temple. Nothing. Never mind. I smacked my hand on the skill saw. This one. I'll take this one. We completed the transaction in silence. I wanted to apologize to the man for being weird, but I couldn't think of an explanation for my behavior other than you made me feel ashamed of myself. So I just thanked him as though nothing out of the ordinary had happened, and I left. The box had the skill logo on it in orange letters. The identical skill decal was on the glass door to the shop class in my middle school. I never went through that door because I wasn't allowed to take shop because everybody in our family knew that Jeffrey is not good with his hands. So now, sitting in the kitchen of my half-renovated house, staring at the skill logo on the unopened box, I came to understand my reaction to hearing it out loud. Jeffrey is not good with his hands had been the unchallenged truth for as long as I can remember, but I could not recall a single event that gave any credence to this fable of my manual ineptitude. I remember being warned on a few occasions that tools were for common people, and that if I didn't study hard and get good marks, I would end up a common tradesman. And when I volunteered to replace the deadbolt on the shed door, the idea was scoffed at by my mother, and she gave the job to the gardener her assumption being that all common tradesmen knew everything about every common trade. Mother spent considerable time directing me away from a life of common industry. Instead of shop, Geoffrey took violin. Geoffrey. The very name is pretentious. Geoffreys wear blazers. They pass sandwiches. They listen to cold play. They don't own work boots, and they stay well away from power tools. Memories of feeling inadequate around boys who built birdhouses and cheese boards in shop class came flooding back as I sat on my pile of floorboards holding my new saw by the cord. 
When I first had the idea to put a pine floor in the living room, I felt this genuine urge to do the work by myself. Now, back in those days, such an undertaking would be regarded as an unusual thing to do. And there would have been nosy neighbors thinking, oh my God, he's working on his own house. He must be too poor to hire someone. None of this mattered to me. I was ready to put my hands to the test and discover what not being good with them was all about. As I loaded this lumber into the house, I couldn't help but admire every board. Each one had a unique and colorful grain, and each grain was beautiful in its detail. I followed their route down the length of the board with my finger, and I decided on the placement of each board. It was a creative, calming, and altogether uncommon experience for me. I lingered over my choices, well aware that I was postponing the inevitable, cutting the boards to the right length with my new skill saw, the tool that I'd never touched in my well-bred life. Anyway, I rummaged through the box for instructions, but of course there were none because what's to know? Basically, a skill saw is like a hairdryer. You plug it in, turn it on, and it does what it's supposed to do, be it blow hot air or spin a disc with 28 razor-sharp teeth on it. I picked it up, feeling like the guy tied to the rack while the torturer waves a hot poker in front of him. The dread is not so much in the visual as it is in the imagination of what is to come. And I have a vivid imagination, so before it could take off with gory images of my amputated hand, I plugged in the saw and I very carefully got to work. When I pulled the trigger, the saw screamed at me and I jumped. This was no longer the distant sound of a construction site. This was close. This was loud and it was shocking. This was my saw, my event, and there was no turning back. One board at a time. Measure draw a line across the board, and cut on the line without wavering. Thirty-seven cuts. I kept waiting to feel like I was getting the hang of it, but the shriek of the saw unnerved me with every cut, and the best I could think of this terrifying machine was that it was a necessary evil. I felt out of myself, watching me using a power saw. Sweat gathered on my upper lip in anticipation of a horrible bloody accident, and at the halfway point I had convinced myself that I was not cut out for this aspect of manual labor, and I resolved to return that saw as soon as the last board was cut. This whole enterprise was way too scary for me. Except, nearly seven and a half hours later, I nailed down what to me was the most beautiful pine floor in all the land, Finally finished, I lay down on my creation and I let the smell of fresh-cut softwood linger in my nose while I stroked along the grain. I'd done good with my hands, and I still had all my fingers. I had joy. I raised my chin off the floor, and there in the corner at eye level was my skill saw. Lying on its side with the half-moon blade guard pointing up, the saw was smiling at me. Now, the word renovation had come into my vocabulary about the time that I purchased my first house. It was a rundown starter home. I was part of the first wave of yuppies who began buying up older homes and turning them into open concept caverns back in the 1980s. 
Yeah, we stripped the paint off the old trim to expose the natural wood, and we took out pink and black bathroom tile and replaced it with white tile. We did white walls and white ceilings and white appliances and even white carpet sometimes. White everything, except for the hand-stripped door and window trim. I was right in there with my vision of a renovated home, all woody and white and perfect. But what clouded this vision was the mysterious collection of pipes and wires that filled the basement ceiling. The home inspector had pulled on the wires and banged the pipes and nodded approvingly. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to look at the ceiling and understand what I was looking at. I mean, everybody knows that the copper pipes are for water and the really big ones are for heat, but what about the black ones? You can hear water gurgling through them, and they appear to be made of plastic. One good bang, and they might crack like a cold yogurt cup and disgorge sewage down my polar dawn walls. And what about the gray ones? When I shut the tap off, they clang and bang like Jacob Marley lives down there. Now I have to go down and check that nothing has sprung a leak above the electrical panel. I mean, I don't have to, but I have to. What if the electrical panel gets wet and shorts out the whole electrical system? Or worse, electrocutes somebody. There are so many wires down there, swirling around the ceiling like so many species of deadly snakes. They come out of the panel in an orderly manner, but then they quickly join up in groups of two or three. They make a dash across the ceiling until they escape out of sight to the floors above. And then the furnace sucks in its deep breath, and exhales hot air, sighing, Smells like gas to me. I just wanted to close the basement door and hope that nothing down there ever flooded or caught fire or blew up. But my mind was going full out with worst-case scenarios, all because I didn't know how any of it worked. I'd spent my last dollar on this collection of wood and pipes and wires, and I was damned if I was going to let it rule me. This was my biggest asset, and I wanted to own it in every sense of the word. But how to proceed? There was no internet yet, no Google to keep dumb questions anonymous, no home reno shows on TV for encouragement. There was only the yellow pages. If somebody needed a new toilet, they looked in the yellow pages under plumbing contractor, because in those days the idea of spending a Saturday putting in a new toilet was as foreign a concept as not spanking children. A plumber plumbed, a baker baked, and never the twain did meet. However, the tide was beginning to turn, and there seemed to be a growing interest in the do-it-yourselfer. There were occasional articles about the hands-on homeowner in the weekend papers, and that gave me all the encouragement I needed to get my hands dirty. It was part genuine curiosity about how things worked, part cost-saving, and part wanting to beat the Jeffrey out of me. As a housewarming gift, I'd been given the Reader's Digest Guide to Home Improvement, complete with pictures. And that gave me a basic understanding of the materials and the tools that I would need to acquire in order to fix my tap or insulate my basement. And the pictures made everything look pretty simple. This looks pretty simple, I said to my wife, Dixie. I think that I could move those pipes into the new bathroom myself. Okay, but why would you want to? I don't know. Just to see if I can, I guess. 
That doesn't sound like you, she replied. This is a side of you I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. Dixie was my first love. Even though we'd been together for eight years by then, our horizons were still expanding and we were still encouraging the best from each other. I knew that I could count on her to embrace this new endeavor of mine, and indeed, she waded right in. We went through what we thought had to be done, and when it was clear that I could not cause the house to fall down just by adding on to the pipes that were already there, I began to get excited. Dixie measured and marked where the new tub was to go, and I made a list of what I would need. Then came the point there was nothing more to talk about. I heard myself say... Guess I'll go get some copper pipe and get started. Okay, good luck. Luck. When preparation meets opportunity. I was lacking the preparation part, so by the time I'd accumulated everything I needed for the job, I had made four trips to the building supply center. On each trip, I had self-doubt creeping around my ear, disguising itself as logic. You sure you want to go through with this? If you screw this up, it'll be double the work to fix it. Why are you doing this yourself? There's so many things that you should be doing. Why don't you call a plumber before it's too late? On my final trip to get special sandpaper to sand copper with, geez, I revisited a childhood memory of when I was about 10, finally old enough to dive off the high diving board at the Civic Center. One cloudy Saturday afternoon, I saw... A middle-aged man in striped swim trunks climbed the ladder to the high diving board. He walked to the end of the board and he looked down at the water below him. And after a few seconds, he gingerly turned and climbed back down the ladder. Even at ten years old, I thought less of that man. The dive is always worth it. Down at the building supply center, a.k.a. the lumberyard, I knew I didn't fit in. My clothes had no rips or paint spatter to identify me as having any right at all to be in this place. I wore shoes, not work boots, with the toes worn down to the steel, and I probably looked nervous lined up with the pros at the order desk. The order desk that behaved like a bar. It was a length of unpainted plywood, and every square inch of it was covered in the pen and pencil legacy of career tradesmen. There were lists of numbers and fractions, phone numbers, a drawing of the bird's-eye view of a bathroom, drawings of baseboard profiles. There was a beautiful drawing of a running horse, a not-so-beautiful naked woman with breasts of different sizes, and a drawing of a ruler. In between inch one and two were the letters C.H., I was told that a CH is one of the oldest measurements in history. It describes an almost imperceptible length, a measure so very tiny that a carpenter would say, cut me a piece of wood just a CH over 65 and a quarter. CH means cunt hair. The term is still used a bit, but it's mostly found its place in carpenter history, replaced by the politically correct measurement of fat or thin. So nowadays, a cunt hair over 65 and a quarter becomes 65 and a fat quarter. Behind the bar were the knowledgeable and surly staff. We took a number, and we waited to hear, All right, who's next? And the holder of the number would place his order, go to the cashier and pay up, take two copies of the receipt, and head to the yard, where a surly yard man would load the order into your truck. If you had a truck. 
if you had a subcompact sedan with a roof rack like I did, they got extra surly. This was the prevailing attitude towards civilians, as we interlopers were called. We were the time wasters, asking questions like, what would you recommend? We hemmed and hawed while they tapped their pens. Trucks and vans idled in line while the civilians at the front tied drywall to their roof racks with string. We were the wrench in the works of a streamlined operation of getting tradesmen loaded up and off to a job site just as quickly as possible. I leaned on the order desk as I had seen the pros do and awaited my turn. Ponytail Jim behind the counter looked me up and down. What are you tearing at? he asked. So, uh, sorry, what? What are you tearing at? What's your project? Oh, um, well, I'm putting an old clawfoot bathtub in my new bathroom. I'm, I'm just moving things around a bit. In the film Lawrence of Arabia, Peter O'Toole tells Omar Sharif that he plans to walk across the deadly Nafud desert to Akba, and Omar Sharif laughs at him. Ponytail Jim now laughed that same kind of laugh at me. I noticed his missing teeth. I got the pipes already, I said. I know. I seen you in here a couple of times today. Well, I'm figuring things out as I go, so I need that paste stuff that you put on pipes before you heat them. Yeah, flux. Anything else? Um, you need a brush to apply flux. Oh, yes, and a brush, please. Anything else? Um, no. In the guide to home improvement, the pictures of plumbing were pretty straightforward. The drain part looked simple. It's plastic, so it gets put together like Lego. The copper part involves heating the connection with a propane torch and putting solder into the joint. Now, this troubled me, and my imagination was no help. Little films were running through my head where I would solder the connection badly, and they'd break apart in the middle of the night, and water would pour down onto a light, cause a short in the electrical system, burn the house down. Or water would pour into the furnace and extinguish the pilot light and gas would fill the house and kill us all in our sleep. Or only a little water would seep out and leave an invisible slick at the bottom of the stair and the first person down the stairs in the morning would slip on the slick, smack their head on the sideboard, break their neck and die. Throughout the planning stages of this undertaking, these doomsday scenarios would visit me until finally I just came to accept them as a strange kind of memento mori benevolent death omens that would save our lives one day. Very carefully, I got to work on the plumbing. Heat the pipe until the flame turns green, remove the flame, and quickly touch the solder to the hot copper. The solder sucks into the joint like magic. Simple. Fascinating to watch. I repeated this process with three connections. Heat the pipe, remove the flame, touch the solder to the copper. On the final connection, I smelled smoke, and I turned to see the vanity door on fire. I reached up and turned on the tap, forgetting that I had dutifully followed step one in the plumbing chapter, be sure to turn water off at source. Frantically, I wrapped the flaming door in a bath towel, and pulling it from its hinges, I threw the smoldering thing out the window to the yard below. <sighs> Heat the pipe, remove the flame, Touch the solder to the copper. And when you remove the flame, don't aim it at your vanity door. Jesus. <sighs> this definitely counted as not being good with my hands. I fought back the disparaging voices in my head. 
and I moved on to hooking up the drain line. Measure, test fit, glue together. It's kind of like Lego. No problem putting in the drains. I was done. The bathtub looked good in its new spot, and the smoke was clearing nicely. I called down to Dixie. Okay, I'm done, but I have to make sure that I did the soldering properly and there are no leaks. Leaks? Are you serious? What are the chances? Well, there's a good chance. I'm new at this. So anyway, go down to the basement, turn the tap on very slowly. But if I shout off, turn the tap off really quickly. I had a bucket and every last one of our towels standing by. Okay, turn on the tap. From the basement I heard, oh please God. The water hissed into the pipes. I couldn't see any leaks. I couldn't hear any water hitting the floor. Do I turn the tap off? No, it's all good. Come on up. I smelled like smoke, so I got the first bath. Lowering myself in gingerly, I realized that I was expecting something to go wrong, but nothing did. So I lay back in the tub and I allowed myself to feel good for about 15 minutes. Then I hopped out of the tub, pulled the plug and turned to the vanity with the missing door and prepared to shave. In the mirror, I could see the tub behind me still full of water. I could also see the plug resting on the side of the tub. Well, the guide to home improvement had a troubleshooting section. There was nothing in there about plugged bathtub drains, so I went back to the plumbing section. In the drain chapter, there was a picture of a level perched on a drain pipe. The caption read, Slope. I didn't own a level, but now that it had been brought to my attention, I didn't need one to see that the section of my new drain pipe was sloping the wrong way. It was going uphill. When Ponytail Jim saw me come to the order desk, his grin was so wide I could see he was missing a molar. You here for a level? Well, yeah. How did you know? Uh, no offense, but I saw it coming. It's a common mistake. Well, <laughs> it's not that common. <laughs> anyway, do you have a hacksaw? A hacksaw? You're going to have to cut out the drain pipe where you fucked up, aren't you? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>